our Bibles, we're going to go 3,000 years ago. So if you could open up your Bibles to the book of First Chronicles. In the Old Testament, First Chronicles chapter 29, and we are basically one year into this two-year initiative, and so we wanted to return to kind of some of the heart and the roots of this and, and what it's communicating and conveying. Uh, the passage that we're about, to, that you're turning to right now in your Bibles or on your phones, First uh, Chronicles 29, 10 through 18. The context of this is David's coming to the end of, of his his role as king, and even his life. Uh, he's, he, he knows that God has called him to, to build this temple, this place where people can meet with God, that it's, all this, this wonderful things can take place for God, but in response to God's call in their life, but this is something that he can't do. And so he realizes this is something for his son. This is going to be Solomon, Solomon's duty. But before that, this was something that he wanted to make sure that he did what God called him to do. And what God had called him to do is to lead this people into this. And so they're about to, they're basically dedicating what they're going to give towards this thing. And counterculturally to what, what other empires of the time would easily be able to do, which was to say, okay, this is something that the king wants to do. Everyone start doing the heavy lifting and make it happen. Instead, David does something radically different. He recognizes that absolutely everything is God's already. And so as opposed to saying, okay, you guys are the peons, you guys are the underlings, so step it up and do some heavy lifting. Instead, he says, no, all of us are in equal playing field before God. And what we're going to do, in fact, is something radically different for our time. We're going to have the leaders step up first. And the leaders actually step up and they step in and pledge that they're going to, they're going to be giving this, this, and this to this temple. And the people flip. Like they rejoice because this is something that they're not used to seeing. And the passages before, it talks about them rejoicing. And then David does what David does best, which he starts to drop lyrics and starts to drop poetry as he says this in verse 10. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly saying, praise be to you, God, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You, you are exalted and head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. Now, O God, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we've given you only what has come from your hand. We are aliens and strangers in your sight. And we're, we are, as were our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. O Lord, our God, as for all the abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with an honest intent. And now I've seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given you. Lord, our God, God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep this desire in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. David identifies something here that um, we see picked up all throughout scripture, this, this difference in people who are following God. Um, and actually, we, we understand it in more fullness with Jesus that this is part of what the gospel does in our life. That, that the three things I really want to bat home today are that, is that Jesus brings a belief beyond the norm. He stokes a generosity inside of us. 
beyond uh, the, the norm uh, as far as what's normative in our life, as well as he accomplishes transformation beyond expectation. This is something that we see take place because the thing that David was, was calling for, building, something he could not build but only his son could build, was this. This was Solomon's temple. Solomon's temple was, was just this epic, amazing piece of architecture. It was uh, 50 feet from the, the ground floor up to the ceiling inside the building. The, inside was 100, uh, the ceiling line was 180 feet long and it was 90 feet wide. From, uh, on the outside structure, from the ground all the way up to the very tip of it, it was about 20 stories. This building was architecturally and artistically phenomenal. But that's not why it meant so much to them. It meant so much to them because this is the place where they knew that their sins were atoned for by God. This is where the sacrifice could take place. They could know that they could actually be with God. God's presence was, was especially and significantly here. That, that, that's some place where they could know they could be with God. But here's where God's, where he ushers in a belief that's beyond the now. This is, was now, but it was something that wasn't just now. Because that thing was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. It was rebuilt later on. And by the time Jesus is walking around in the first century, there was a rebuilt temple. And Jesus starts to allude to this temple system as something that has an expiration date, that he was going to do something significant. In fact, just him coming to earth in the incarnation was significant. See, they, they went to the temple to be with God, but Jesus in, in the incarnation said, I have come as God to be with you. And that, even that, wasn't the end of the story because this temple system was going to go the way of the buffalo because what Jesus did accomplishing what he did on the cross was this. This system is no longer necessary. You no longer have to bring sacrifices for God because the sacrifice has been paid. The sacrifice was paid by me on the cross. And you don't have to go to a certain place in order to experience the presence of God. Because when, you're, when my blood has paid for your sins, my righteousness is given to you. And all of a sudden in that, you, not a building, you are the temple of God. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, Paul says, don't you know that you, your, your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? He dwells in you. That means that you can go to an awesome building and worship God together, and that's magnificent. But as soon as you walk out to the parking lot, or as soon as you go home to your family, or as soon as you're going wherever else you're going after this, the temple of God is moving because you, if you're in Christ, are that temple. That's something that you have. And, now, and the cool thing about it is that people start to, all of a sudden, they start to grow in number that a temple couldn't possibly fill. And they start to branch out. People are meeting in homes. People are meeting on streets and marketplaces. They're talking about this newfound gospel, this reality, what Jesus does, which is beyond belief and beyond what, what they were currently experiencing. He was transforming them. And this leads to someplace. This, this belief in Jesus, this belief in, in the grace that God gave us led something into their hearts. And what it did was it led them to have this, this generosity that was stoked beyond the norm. Something, uh, Christianity was a persecuted faith. It was not something that everyone was like, woohoo, let's have like a Christian bookstore and let's have Christian conferences. We're going to have Christian music. That was not happening. Christianity was, was this illegal thing. This was something that was not popular. And as something that was super not popular, it continued to spread in part because God worked through them to help them realize, do you realize that I saved you because I love you and in my grace I saved you for nothing that you could possibly bring to the table? 
You couldn't possibly give me anything to, to, for me to give you my salvation. I did, I did something on the cross that was absolutely free to you, but it cost me my life. And I rose again to give you the power to walk in that reality. And so Christians started doing that. They started walking in. And when they, when as a Christian, who's not just going to some temple to worship God, but realizing that they are the temple wherever they go, they start to see darkness and brokenness all around them, and they step into it. When people are marginalized in the first century, when culture as a whole, the norm is to take care of themselves and their family and everyone else can just see ya. Christians are actually going to the people that everyone else is kicking to the curb and investing in them, protecting them, defending them, showing them the love of Jesus, showing them, the, showing them love that no one else would show them, caring for them in a way that no one else would. Why? Because they're just really nice people? It's because of Jesus. I mean, even today, like you can take uh, cultural studies and, and sociologists are, are baffled by this. What is it about Christians that make them better givers to charity? Like if you look, people, if you look at Christians and you look at every other system of thought, atheistic or some other world religion, why is it that Christianity has a lion's share of people that are giving? Is it because Christians have bank? Like they have serious amount of cash? No. In fact, a lot, of, a lot of the people who are, are far from God, have no care for them, have far more resources than they do. Was it because these Christians are just nicer people? No. I've met some Christians that are real jerks. <laughs> and so have you. Sometimes people who are far from God are really nice people. That's not the thing. What is the thing that causes Christians to be greater givers? Because there's nothing that is communicating that like massively and importantly except for the reality of what we have in Jesus. That changes someone. It stokes in us a generosity that says, you gotta, I, something has to happen here. And the cool thing is that for the early church, this was not something where they're like, okay, well, let's see, what percentage should I give to the local church? This was not a money thing for them. It was an everything for them. Yeah, the money was included, but that, it wasn't just that. It wasn't just you know, writing a check. That's, that's easy. It was like, okay, God, you have my whole life, every single part of it. You died for me and I'm going to follow you to the day I die and every moment of my life I want it to be something where you're utilizing and using it my life is going to build the kingdom that you've ushered in R.C. Sproul put it this way the Bible teaches that we are to invest in the kingdom of God and I really believe that that's the best investment we can ever make because it has eternal returns these returns are not just for us but also for our families especially for our children and our grandchildren. This generation of Christians must invest in the things of God for the sake of the next generation. In doing this, we follow Jesus' admonition, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So last year, the leadership of this church did an audacious thing. We went before a church which is already generous, like this church, this church, a lot of this stuff is like all preaching to the choir to you because this is something that this church does. You, you, you pour your, you realize that it's not just money, it's life and you pour your life into the things that God's doing. So a lot of this is just like, yeah, that's, that's already happening. But this church went to a church that was already generous and had the audacity to say, we would like you to pray about over the course of the next two years to increase your generosity, to expand it. How offensive. And yet we did it. We said that. And over the course of this past two years, you did just, over the past year, because we're just halfway through, you've done that. 
You started pouring yourself into this local church, recognizing the ministries on this local campus were something that God was working in. And so you gave financially. You did give financially, but you gave more than finances. You gave your life. You taught Reality U classes. You handed out programs. You sang up here. You, you did things all around this church. You served coffee. You were doing things around this church body to pour into it, and you gave. And the result of that is that God has been doing some amazing things. God has worked through you as his ambassadors to do something on this campus locally. We were, it kind of blew us away, but um, how many of you were here for Easter? Yeah, it was kind of bananas, right? There was 1,685 people here. Now, that's not a big deal. Because again, you can go to the mall, and there's more people than that there. And it's not like, ooh, God, this is just so touching. There's that, this many people shopping at the Louis Joliet Mall. I'm just so glad they brought back the name Louis Joliet. A lot of people isn't a big deal. The big deal to me is that we, we had people, we, we, we thought, well, how do we help people have a place to respond? It's like, well, maybe if we put like boxes on a card and they could drop the card in on their way out. And then we're like, yeah, but no one will do that. We're like, yeah, probably not, but we should do it anyway. So we did. And... <laughs> We don't know how many people actually became believers first, you know, for the first time crossed over from death to life on Easter, on the Easter weekend. But we know for a fact that 30 people indicated they did. And that's awesome. I, I think that's so cool. But, the, but again, it, it wasn't just about those guys. There was, there's a stack on my desk of hundreds of cards of you that indicated, I want to reconnect my life with the picture that Jesus is painting to the world around me in my life. I want to be the canvas. And, and people check off, I'm in, let's do that. And so God's been doing that. In the last year since Ignite started, there have been 60 baptism that have, baptisms that have taken place here. And again, that, this happened, this, the cool thing is this, NBC isn't magic. This is happening all over. God's doing some awesome stuff all through lots of churches, but we get a chance to have a front row seat to what he's doing here. And that's just so cool. You gave, you gave financially, sure, and that funded all these ministries that are taking place, but you, you realize that God's calling you was for everything. And so you poured into your life into these ministries and God was working. But not just that, you also poured into local missions. You guys poured into local missions in such a way that you recognize that, again, if we're the temple, wherever we go, whenever we see darkness out there, we step into it. And, and that, that's something been, that I've just loved seeing. It, it was um, so cool this past weekend to watch as 400-something volunteers filled this room in, in, multi, in a multi-pack, packing um, over 180,000 meals between 8.30 and 3.30. And how many of you were here for that? All right. You saw what a mess this place was. It was a wreck in here. There's soy everywhere, protein powder, junk. It was rice. I mean, I, if you came here at when everyone was cleaning up, it just sounded like, because it was rice just going up into vacuum cleaners. It was, it was a mess. And the thing that, that blows me away is that, that you guys stepped into that. You gave, yeah. And whenever we give um, in the offering, that goes to those local missions and, and, and impacts us. But you gave of your life and you volunteered. And this church and the churches that we partnered with that came to that, that event yesterday packed, uh, basically packed dinner or create, made dinner for 298 kids for one year. How awesome is that? See, that, that's what happened. Yeah. Now, that's where, that's where it's really easy to go, good job. 
Manuka, but, but this isn't us. Like David said, this is just you. Like, we're just like going, yeah, you, you've done that. All of my time, all of my finances are yours. And so I step into that. And so that's super cool. You gave financially for sure, but you gave of your life. You did that in the local ministries on this campus this past year. You did it in local missions, and you also did it globally. Because whenever we give financially in this church, we're supporting 25 and counting missionaries. This is a church that believes in missionaries who are doing missions work globally, domestic and global missions. To, to talk about um, the Tellos and, and to hear their stories. John said it uh, last night that as a church, uh, as a church, they are an extension of us. You may never be the type of person that has the skills or the calling to go globally, but through these 25 people, you are. You gave, and those people were able to be funded, but you didn't just give because you realize that God's calling is not just for finance, finances. You actually went beyond that, and you actually went on missions trip. This church has sent people, adults and high schoolers, to Haiti, to Guatemala, to Nicaragua, to St. Lucia. You've stepped into places and proclaimed the gospel in a way that was very real and vibrant, and we saw fruit from that in this past year. That's phenomenal. And so Ignite was to talk about all those things and to talk about the reality that we as a church are starting to do this. We're gaining weight. Now here's the difference between First Chronicles and what we're talking about as far as this is concerned. It really bugs me when um, churches, you, you, Christians use passages like that to talk about, you know, David talked about being sacrificial and building the temple. So we need to build the temple too. We got this extension on the church and we're going to build the temple. Ugh, that's like fingernails on a chalkboard to me. Why? Because the temple system is over. Who is the temple now? We are. And so when we're pushing the edge of the architecture of this building out, it's not expanding the temple. It's expanding the building to fit the temple inside because you are the temple. And um, we realized that we needed to do something. We, we mulled over as a leadership team trying to figure out, you know, do we, do we add a, another worship center that can, you know, give us room to grow into? Because we were seeing just this room getting pressed to the sides in a lot of our services. And we decided not to do that for two reasons. One, it's crazy expensive to build a building like that. Crazy expensive. And we said, you know what? That's not our first step anyway because of the second reason. If we had more seats in a building, we still have all the congestion in our children's ministries that we experience here every single week. How many of you ever been, have ever been in a mosh pit? <laughs> mosh pits are fun unless you're trying to pick up your kids in one. That happens between 9.30 service and 11 o'clock service every single week. It happens on Easter on Saturday night. It's just like... Kids are floating, you know, it's just like, it's, it's, it's chaos. And so we realized that we needed to do something. And so what we weren't, were going to do was take all those classes and push them out and open up that whole section so we'd have more room for people in this church to spend time together. Because you as a church, you do weird things. Like after service, you hang out and you spend time with each other. It's like, don't you have places to go? You just like to talk and hang out. And, and all of a sudden we're like, this is really cool. What if we gave more space for people to do that so it's not just like, all right, well, okay, see ya. And people are going out the door like that. And so we talked to Farnsworth, our, our architect, and they came up with a, a design that'd be a two-story building with a full basement. And what this would be able to do is in the basement, we'd be able to house our, our food pantry ministry, which feeds over 400 families every month. Right now we have food locations and storage and packing areas all around the church. It's all like mismatched and patchworked. But this would be a, a single place where we'd have one place where we could have 
all of our, stu- or all of our food stored and all of our stuff being able to pack in one place. Uh, the top l- l- uh, floor was a location that would be able to be, for the very first time in our church's history, a ded- dedicated space for our high school and junior high ministries. And they'd have that whole space to be able to gather and to, spend, you know, to do all the discipleship that they do up there. And then the first floor would be a location where we would actually be able to have our um, early, child, uh, early childhood development area, where, like preschool and all those ministries um, that would be taking place down there. And this was super cool. We were super excited about it. So if I were you, I would say, yeah, I remember hearing about that last year. Where's the building? Did you hide it someplace? Because I remember hearing about it and I don't see it. I see little flags. I see dirt move, but nothing. Where's the building? I'm glad you asked. So last year, one of the things that we wanted to do in the process of the building was to uh, figure out the most affordable way that we could pull this off. And so we said, man, we got some really skilled individuals in our church. Let's go ahead and pull together some of our most skilled guys and we'll build the thing ourselves. Booyah! And we thought this is the best way to do it. We can financially make this happen. Um, and so we did. And that was kind of the route that we were going. And then we were really realizing something that we hadn't expected before. And that was that building a commercial building in 2014 is a radically different endeavor than it was 20 years prior. The amount of legal work, the amount of paperwork, <laughs> Melissa knows the paperwork, the amount of all the details and things that go into that is much different than a simple like, hey, let's just build a house or let's build a deck or let's just build this type of a building. Um, and so we realized that we were in over our heads. We needed to seek some outside counsel and we did. And when we were starting to get things lined up for that, we got to the fall to the point where we really couldn't start that and um, I'd be able to avoid some of the things that took place in the winter, which was good because like when November kicked, it was crazy cold. It was awful. We would have been spending a lot more money. During the course of that time, we were also um, running into issues with our bank. Um, I don't know if you have a good relationship with your bank, but sometimes banks can be dicey, and we were having some of that. And it really felt like in order to do this project, the hoops that we were asked to jump through continued to get wider and wider and, and more and more and more. And so we get to the point where we're rolling around to when we were hoping to have a shovel in the ground in March, at, you know, late, late February, early March, and it's not happening because we want to make sure that this is going to be able to be financially backed. And I got to tell you, that was so, so discouraging. Um, as your lead pastor, that was a heavy, heavy period um, for me where, and, and for our, our whole board and our whole staff. Um, we have an amazing staff, an amazing board, but this was, we were just trying to crunch this, try to look at this from a different angle. How do we do this? And it was just awfully, awfully heavy, difficult, difficult period. And um, that's at the point where humanly speaking, e- even humanly speaking as a Christian, you start to ask questions like, well, maybe this is God closing a door. And the more that we thought about that, the more that we prayed about that and just chewed on it, the more we were realizing, no, God's direction on this is pretty clear. And, and, and the fact that we're moving in the direction he's, he wants us to go is very, very clear. However, we're hitting brick walls. But if you talk to any missionary that we support, or those 25 missionaries, those people, their whole life is hitting brick walls. And brick walls are not an indication for them that they should just throw in the towel or say, maybe God's not calling me to share my faith in this country, but instead to recognize that sometimes when you hit brick wall after brick wall, you lower your shoulders and you keep going in his strength, in his direction. 
And as we continued to do that, the cool thing was is that we found a different route that we were able to go rather than with our bank. And it was something that provided a way for us to go forward. We have the money, we currently have the money to be able to begin the process, but we're just waiting to make sure that we have for the whole route to be able to pull us off. We wanna make sure that that's gonna be secured first. Um, we also realized in that period of time where we were mulling over, we had a chance to reevaluate some of the bids that we had on the property, on the building itself, and realized that, that we were actually being um, given some numbers that were really inflated. And we were counseled by our architect to rebid the whole project. And so on May 5th, the whole project is going to be rebid for a contractor to be able to tackle the entire project, which will make the process faster. And we'll be able to get the lowest rate with the most responsible builder that, that they find. And so I'm super stoked about that. So within two months, we should see this process begin, which will be great. Because one of the things that we were really um, intensely um, thinking about is the fact that the, one of the things that we want to see happen with the, that kids ministry area is in addition to opening up, taking down some of those walls and opening that space up, we wanted to have a flow that would be, make sense. People could drop off kids and leave and kind of go in one way and exit one way and not have all the congestion that makes it so difficult to pick up your kids or to drop them off. Um, we took the current uh, square footage of our, our nursery uh, classes from 1,350 square feet to 1,800 to widen up space for special needs and classes for those kids. So I'm super pumped about that. Cannot wait for that to happen for those kids. And that's going to take place. So one of the things we talked about a year ago, we took like the amount of money that our annual budget would be, which was just right around 1 million, just a little bit north of that. We took... Uh, we took that and multiplied it by two for two years. And then we took what we were kind of expecting the cost of the building to be. And when we added that all together, it was coming out roughly, our kind of our early rough uh, expectation was 3.5. So we said, so, so when Ignite started off, we said, we're not giving to the building. We're giving to all these things that this church is doing on this campus, through our local missions, through global missions and the building. Because God's called us as a church not to just be kind of this segmented thing, but to really as a church move forward together in, in one, one direction. And so we, so we did that. So that's what we put out there. And we had pledge cards for people to fill out. And, and we said, listen, if you don't feel, you know, if, if putting down how much you want to give is not your deal. We respect that. But a lot of people did turn in pledge cards. And the amount that people uh, put down that they would be willing to give over a two-year time frame was $2.175 million, which was, which was pretty cool. And, the, and at this point, one year into the process, uh, from those people that pledged, $968,371 has come in which is really great. So those people that um, pledged that, what they were going to bring, they're just shy of making where they, they need to be. But they're like, man, it's, we're trucking along. And some people, given these spurts, I don't understand it, but that's what happens. Now that's, that's, that's the trippy thing about, I was told by my staff that I, I should not use the word trippy. After, after Saturday service, we evaluate this, the message and the service and stuff, and um, one of our staff people said, don't use trippy. Nobody says that. Why do you say that? So here's another trippy number. <laughs> and that is that this is the number that people who didn't pledge anything gave anyway. People who didn't pledge anything ended up giving $471,577, bringing what's come in halfway through the program, halfway through the uh, the the, the two-year time frame to $1,454,695 so far. 
Now that was, that, that's cool, and we're trucking along. Uh, we have a distance to reach, but, but we're trucking along. But one of the things as we were talking as a team, we're like realizing there's a lot of people who've come to this church in the past year where if we bring up, you know, hey, we're, we're in Ignite, they're going to be like, hey, I have no clue what you're talking about. Ignite initiative? That sounds dangerous. And so, you have, so we, what we realized is we, need to, we wanted to do what we did to everyone in our church before and give you the opportunity to step into that. Uh, to, to be invited into seeing what God does and be an active person in that. So if you could, out of your program, if you could just take this card out, I want to just go ahead and go over what this says. If you could just take this card out and you could flip it over to the back side of it. And just like Easter and just like last year, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond. And I want to tell you that there's no pressure to respond. Um, I want you to, if you need to pray about this with your spouse or just pray about it yourself, do that. Um, take this home, pray about it, and you could return it any time. But let me just go ahead and highlight a couple things. First off, the top of it right here, this is a one-year commitment. Ignite is a two-year process, a two-year initiative, but this is a one-year because we're halfway through, and two minus one is one. So it's a one-year commitment from April 27th, 2015, which is tomorrow, through a year from now. So this is like a one-year adventure. What, what could God do through this? I don't know. Let's, let's find out. The first part of it kind of gives you an indication of what to do. Please check one which applies fold and drop in the basket before you leave, okay? So one of these things could apply. You could check that and, and go ahead and do that. The first box is this. I've already turned in a pledge card for Ignite last year, and I want to faithfully finish the final year on track. So I've already gone through this, and I want to finish on time. Awesome, that's there. Uh, second is, I've already turned in a pledge card for Ignite, but I'd like to adjust my commitment by committing to this much over the course of next year. Now, for you, you might be somebody who saw God do some pretty awesome stuff in your life in, in the process of generating generosity, and you want to take that up a notch. Awesome. Indicate that. You might be someone who's been praying about it and says, I feel like God wants me to give to this thing less. If that's the case, write it down. I mean, we want you to be doing what, what really what you sense God is leading you to do, up or down or the same. Just do that. Do what he wants you to do. Uh, next is, I've turned in an Ignite pledge card. I have not turned in an Ignite pledge card yet, but I want to prayerfully commit this much, which includes my regular giving plus whatever I believe my expanded generosity should be for the next year. And what that is, is basically if you weren't here last year when we did this, or you didn't fill out a card because you just didn't feel comfortable with that last year, but you want to do that now, that's you just basically saying, I want an accountability system. Nobody sees this except for our accountant. I don't see any of these. This is just something that would be between you and God and someone who's keeping you accountable on that. Um, if you do that, I know that's kind of putting yourself out there. And so what we like to do just to honor that is um, send you a quarterly report of the things that are happening at our church through what you're giving, uh, through the fact that you're pouring into it. Because again, this is not just money stuff. This is life change stuff that you're a part of. And so we, we're, we send that out um, on a quarterly basis. We haven't sent that out uh, for the last quarter or two because we wanted to make sure we knew what was happening with the building before we sent another one out. But those will be going out soon. Okay. Um, next box is, I plan to faithfully give, but I would rather not write down how much. And that's totally cool. You're not going to find a Bible verse that says, and then check the box when they ask you to do it. It's not there. So don't feel like you're any compulsion to do so. This is just if that's a helpful tool for you. It's a helpful tool for us. If it's helpful for you, awesome. If not, no sweat. You can uh, check that. And then finally, easy does it. I'm still new here. I'd like a little time to check out the church before committing to the Ignite Initiative, but thanks for asking. Now, any one of these, I would encourage you to just check and then put your information there um, on that. And to do that uh, during, we're going to be showing just a video here at the end, uh, because the thing that, the, the last point is that once a person 
recognizes that this Jesus brings a belief beyond the now, then your, your vision is expanded. And then it starts to cause you to emulate his generosity. And then when that happens, all of a sudden you start seeing Jesus accomplishing transformation beyond expectation. And that's happened in this church in this last year. Here's some people that have just started coming to our church or people who've been coming to our church for a while, but they've just started to plug in and see God's work. This is kind of a snapshot of this past year. Take a look. Nope. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and bring it back. You ready now? anybody else's life I've had ups and downs in my life also and my husband and I have been looking for a church for quite a while now and everywhere we went we just didn't feel like it was the right fit for us and then we thought well maybe it's us you know uh, and I'm Zach Ritzos. Uh we started coming here roughly two years ago uh, just looking for something different I started going to mops last year and I noticed there's a great big group of women. And all of the moms at the table said, have you tried MBC? Have you gone here? And we hadn't yet. So Leslie got involved with Mops and it really changed her life. And she came home one day and said, I really want to give this church a try. And I said, well, why? And she said, because the people there are great. And I'm like, oh, Manuka Bible Church, okay. I'll look it up on the internet and see what they believe, you know? This is harder than picking out clothes. Let me tell you, looking for a church is hard. So I started researching churches in the area and Munich Bible was the first church that actually came up. Um, so when I was looking at the, the website and the video was for ICE and 360, I showed my son and he was, he was like, yeah, mom, I think this, this is it. And it was nothing what I was used to. And I dragged my feet for a couple of weeks because I was raised conservative Baptist. So we did things a certain way, and we didn't raise our hands, and we didn't shout, things like that. So I'll never forget the first Sunday that Leslie brought me in. When we first came in, it was instant. We knew right away that this was going to be our church. I stood there, uh, pale skin, scared to death, and thinking, why do they have a band on stage? And there's guitars, and there's drums, and why are they shouting? And it was really uh, scary for me the first time I came here. Church in the worship service was not what I was used to. Didn't know the songs, didn't, the bulletin was not what I was used to. And the people were dressed different. I was used to dress nice and you can come to church as you are here, which is great. During most of our adult life, Jerry and I have attended traditional churches and have had very little involvement. We just kind of showed up. That all changed during the past three years after we began attending MBC. My first contact with the church was um, with Lindsay. She's part of the Mercy Fun group. And um, at that time, Zach, he was um, out of work for I think about a month. And we were behind on our bills. We, um, we didn't have you know, the funds to cover that, and we were pretty much two months behind. And she, we had a brief meeting with um, Zach, myself, and her, and she just asked, you know, simple question, basic questions, you know, what was our, what was going on, what did we need, and that she, she would let us know within a week or so if we could, um, if the church would be able to help us. And that, by a week, um, 
we were helped by the church and we were able to get caught back up on our bills. And so the second time we came, it became more comfortable and I don't think we've missed two Sundays in the last year and it's been a real blessing. For my family and I, and our relationship with Christ has grown exponentially as a result of coming here. Um, Pastor Nick has been wonderful along with his staff, really encouraging my children, helping them to grow and to know Jesus better. And it's a huge change for them because they're finally excited to come back to church again and to attend as a whole family. And then um, I believe, because when we first started coming, the women's retreat um, that Ju uh, Julie was doing, um, another team member from church. So I. I jumped on that right away because I wanted to, I needed connection with other ladies and, and uh, families in the area and I, I really enjoyed it. It was such, it was such a good conference. Um, I just remember crying and coming up to the altar and I just, the warmth of this church is, I, I can't explain it, you just gotta, you have to come and experience it. Uh, this past November, we had a huge house fire and lost everything in our house. And um, it was devastating. And my son, who was 13 at the time, just didn't know how to express his emotions. And I gave Pastor Brent a call. And Pastor Brent just, hey, you know what? Bring him out. I'll take him to lunch. And I'll talk to him and see if he'll open up to me a little bit. and. After Pastor Brent met with Justin, uh, Justin was a new kid. He was back to his normal self. And it was just amazing how a pastor would take time out of his busy day to spend with a young kid. When I was growing up in the churches that Leslie and I had visited in the, in the past, I'm, I'm fairly conservative in my finances. And when I see the offering plate come around, you kind of see people cringe, and I cringed. But here, um, Leslie and I give lovingly, and whenever I get a bonus or whenever we get an opportunity to earn more income, we sit down and figure out how we give more. And it's just a great place to serve the Lord. For the first time in our marriage, we have joined a small group at NBC. These are proving to be very rewarding as we have the opportunity to share our failures, of which we all have many, without feeling ashamed. Um, uh, for the past couple years, I've uh, I'd known God and knew uh, I wanted to be a part of my life, but it's been kind of a, I guess, inner struggle to kind of accept them. And I'm not sure what was really holding me back, but something was always holding me back from really diving in and accepting. And I think, uh, I think my wife, being the first one to, get to really, really commit and accept Jesus kind of, kind of helped me to also do it. And just uh, seeing, seeing everyone else that has and the joy they get from it, and that kind of helped me dive in. Especially, uh, especially the baptisms. When I see the baptisms here, the youth group is awesome. Uh, pastor Jason couldn't ask for a better youth pastor for our kids. I joined. I started to go to ICE. ICE was the best thing in the world. Everyone was friendly there. The pastor was awesome. Everyone was just awesome there. They're all friendly. And um, just getting involved. They're not pushy. They 
you know, they, they like to see people get involved, but they don't hound you to get involved. We serve in the Labrie Cafe, and it's really enjoyable and uh, on Sunday mornings to offer people coffee as well as a smile. And even with the Ignite, I was afraid that, you know, we were going to be getting letters upon letters asking for donations, and um, that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of let us feel free to give what we felt we needed to give and um, get involved where we want to get involved. And so for nine months I just observed and then I thought, okay, I can keep sitting on the sidelines and watch and be an observer or I can join the church. Well, I decided to join the church. The kids love it. They love coming every Sunday. It's fun for my husband and I. We've also had the opportunity to bring some of our neighbors with us. You know, there's just so much for the whole family. There's, there's activities for kids, there's spy kids, which has been just amazing in the summer. Um, there's children's ministries, there's women's ministries and mops. Um, there's something for everybody at Manuka Bible Church. It's just a matter of finding out um, where you can best use your skills and your talents and your gifts and really making those connections with the people of the church. Somebody would have came up to me two years ago and they would have told me, uh, you're, gonna be, you're gonna be at this church, you're gonna be doing missions, you're gonna be helping younger kids in the junior high group. I would have looked at them and I would have told them that they're nuts because that's not, that was never my type of thing at all. And it's been so comforting because I see people that I know from MOPS and from some of the other things that I'm involved in and we get to sit in the same row with our neighbors. Since we've been coming here, it seems like our family has become a lot closer. Our belief now is that our purpose is to serve Jesus Christ through our service and financial giving as best we can. I went from not believing in God to being here and trying my best to do everything for Him and through Him. And it's a great feeling. Coming here and the comfort level that I've had has made me a better Christian, it's made me a better husband, and it's made me a better follower of Christ. So that was last year. So I cannot wait to see what God's going to be doing in the next year. Um, this is the gospel. This is the reality of what Jesus, the fruit of the gospel is that he brings a belief beyond what we're experiencing now. He expands our vision. He pushes a generosity in us that it's not us, it's him. And then we get to see the transformation that takes place in us and through us. And what I'd like us just to end with is that statement David made, which we can own as well in Jesus. Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? May this church be the type of church that doesn't look at generosity as finances, but looks at generosity as life, and we give it freely. Amen? Amen. Let's stand for prayer. Lord Jesus, I pray that you condition in our heart your perspective. Uh, for those in this room that are experiencing um, just major growth in their spiritual walk, we give you thanks for that. For those in this room that are just uh, beginning to be gravitated towards who you are and, and who you've called them to be, Lord, I pray that you give them the strength and the direction. And Lord, I pray that you help us as a church to be the type of place that looks like, sounds like, and flushes out the, the model of your love, your grace, and your generosity to the world around us. And when we see that, God, we will give you thanks and glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You